Hello! Welcome to Gutter Trash, episode 365, Black Blizzard, by Yoshihiro Tetsumi. I think. Yeah, yeah that's right. That sounds right. My name is Eric. I'm Jason. Hi! Hey, buddy. How's it going? What's up? It's going well. That's good. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? How about you? Things are right? Nope. 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 <laughs> Well then, you know, then we're in the right place because it's all golden from here on out tonight. Yeah, Black Blizzard. Black Blizzard. Is this uh This is only the second Japanese comic we've ever read. Originally, I think I called it a manga last episode, mm-hmm. and I found out between then and now. That this is not considered a manga. Okay. Yeah. What's the difference? Well, so I read this little interview with uh, Yoshihiro Tatsumi, and he talks about how in the 50s there is this, like, basically this stable of artists who were doing manga, which is, you know, just Japanese for comics, but it's, it's primarily thought of, I guess, as kids' comics. Okay. And, and they were trying to do more, like, graphic novel-type stories and things like that. So they called it, um, like, oh, I actually just looked up on my phone, because it's a term I'd never heard of, um, Gakiga. Okay. Which I'd never heard that term before. Sounds uh, hard to pronounce. Yeah, Gakiga. Yeah. Uh, which translates to dramatic pictures in mm-hmm. English. So, basically, it's... The same pretentious douchebags who try to get graphic novels, you know, as the the main term, or or sequential art. When I'm reading my Rob Liefeld sequential graphic novel narratives, I know that there's a difference between those and the funny books that you read, like your Alan Moore tripe. <laughs> there is a difference, sir. Ah. <laughs> uh. Fuck it. They're all comics. Yeah, they are all comics. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I guess... Like you said, manga. It's Japanese for comics. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess... So, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I guess this is just manga, but... Yeah. I think it was an attempt to um, move away from what they were all at least working in. Right. Because he had done... Uh, Tetsumi had done a bunch of like more kid kid-friendly manga type mm. stuff. But, but this one is more of a, of a, of a, like, I don't know, not a murder mystery, but it has a mystery and it has some violence and crime and... There is murder. I mean, yeah, I guess it is a murder and mystery. And mystery are surrounding that murder. Sure. But when I think of murder mystery, I think of, like, your classic, like, <coughs> oh, some, one of us got murdered. Who right. did it? It's right. one of us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, like comics, murder mystery can encompass many different things. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so I read this entire thing before I realized that, uh, this is, uh, possibly so, so, uh, you, you were kind of saying that this is only the second Japanese comic that we've ever read. Mm-hmm. I think this might be the oldest comic that we've ever read. I think so too. I was thinking that because it's from the fifties. Yeah. Which, uh, is, is a thing I did not realize until I was finished reading it. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Even though it clearly says so like 
on the cover. Yeah. On the cover, or uh, I mean, it's not yeah, like it's it not like it it's not like bold. It's just there. If yeah, you, yeah. If you look, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it is plainly there on the cover, and I, I just did not see it. Yeah. Uh, but well, it's a like, nice new. It's a new version. It is, so yeah. it doesn't look old. It's a couple of years old, yeah. Uh, but while I was reading it, I was like, "Well, this seems old, dated." Yeah, yeah. Not so much dated, even. Uh, just. Yeah, I mean, it reminds. It's, it's got. Uh, it kind of has that feel of like an old crime. Yeah, movie, like a black and white crime movie, sort of. But like, I mean, honestly, like. There is very little about it that I would say Could just plainly own. sets itself in the fifties. Right. Like like everyone's fashions are all relatively generic enough that it Yeah. Like nobody uses a cell phone or right. like that, and there's nobody's really watching TV, but like nothing is really presented as being yeah. old. That's true. Yeah, and, and like even like the entire scenario that the characters go through, like you could easily buy it happening now, sure, uh, just as well as like 1956, right? Uh, so, so like I said, there there is something about it that definitely gives it an old timey feel, but like I didn't fully realize that it was old timey. Like honestly, like if you'd asked me without reading it, I would have said, I don't know, was this made in like the 70s, maybe, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so what is the tale of the Black Blizzard? Uh, it's a murder mystery, didn't it? Just <laughs> it's, it's a Japanese comic <laughs> called Gekiga. And it's by Yoshihiro Tetsumi. Yeah, I guess we did say all that. Yeah, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more. There is. So... Uh, it's basically about, uh, uh, two criminals who are being, uh, transferred, I guess, to prison or whatever, uh, being escorted by a police officer on a train. Uh, there happens to be a, a blizzard, probably the titular blizzard. Yes, sir. Uh, which, uh, causes the train to go off the rails and uh, crash. Mm. And uh, our, our two criminals uh, survive the crash, and uh, uh, they're, they're handcuffed together. And uh, one of them is, is definitely, um, I would say, more of your traditional hardened criminal. Yeah, right. Uh, he's who, a thug. He's he, like an he old... Is, he's yeah. like a, a, a big old thug. Yeah. He, uh... He's uh, decides that uh, he's going to take this opportunity to to escape, and uh, does not give a shit that uh, he's got uh, some guy uh, chained to him right. who would probably rather not escape. Yeah, which is weird. Sure. I mean, given that opportunity, wouldn't you? Like, even if you were like, well, you know, should I mean, I'm I'm uh, being arrested for something, and this is obviously going to ruin my life, but right. Um, you know, but I'm a moral man, and if this is how society deems to, you know, enact its retribution on me, I guess I'll do it. Sure. But then if you're presented with the opportunity <clears throat> in a train wreck, like, how could you not just try to escape? Right? I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, certain things to be said for uh, either way of thinking. 
but you know, he he, and and we don't know anything about either of these characters. Oh yet. yeah, when it starts out, yeah. I think uh, isn't there wasn't there like a brief flashback at the beginning? At the very beginning, we see, I guess, what we would call our main character. Uh, we see him get arrested, basically, yeah. and, and he. Basically, he seems just resigned to his fate mm-hmm. uh, pretty early on. So clearly depressed and, and guilt-wracked and uh, just knows yeah. that that punishment is coming for him and whatever it is, he seemingly thinks he deserves it. Yeah, he doesn't seem surprised when the policeman shows up at his house. He's he's like just like violently, fervently playing this <clears throat> piano in his apartment and... Uh, a cop shows up and arrests him. And that's how it starts. Yeah. Uh, so then, uh, like a good portion of the book is uh, our, our two uh, heroes, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, escaping from the police in the middle of a horrible blizzard yeah. through the woods. Right. <laughs> uh, that does sound awful, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's been cold and snowy here. And, uh, <laughs> we just complain, like, walking out to the car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> with shoes on and right. mittens. And, and not connected to other not, people. Yeah. Well, sometimes we hang up ourselves well, to each other. That's just for fun. That's, yeah. And, and usually indoors. Indoors, yeah, yeah. mostly. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so this is a scenario I think I've seen since I was a child on things like, like criminals attached to one another usually in more like slapstick comedy routines eh. like i think there was maybe an abbott and costello i'm well, sure there i mean was. i can't remember for sure but i know there was something when i was a kid where it was like oh brother where art thou <laughs> that was it <laughs> no like ever since i was a kid i've seen <clears throat> something like that and it's, it's, it's a fairly common scenario yeah. uh usually i've seen it like in a dramatic fashion mm-hmm. i could not point to like in Gakikas. huh like in Gakiga? Right, yeah. Dramatic comics? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but, like, yeah, I couldn't think of, of uh, other than Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Or the uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Stephen Baldwin classic, Fled. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wasn't there, I think there's another movie that I saw where it's like a, a black dude and a white guy chained to each other. Fled. I, I mean, but but I think it's like Lawrence Fishburne, Stephen Baldwin. I think this is like a '70s one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been yeah tons of them. Yeah, and so, they're like going through the South and like every, like like not only are they both hunted, but um the the black prisoner is a little more persecuted. Like sure. people are actually trying to help the white guy like unchain himself from the black guy. Right. But then they don't really care about. Like what happens to the language. It's really weird. Yeah. America. Yeah, it's called America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least at least we're not a shithole country, right? <laughs> Damn right. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. It's a black blizzard. Black blizzard, yeah. yeah. Uh so so yeah. So so you know, the we get that and a good portion of it is uh, we get to learn uh, the backstory of, of how our, our young hero uh, wound up in his uh, current situation. Oh, yeah. uh, and it's all about not... It's a moral tale about not drinking. Kind of. Because he's a fucking drunk. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he has uh, a good excuse. Uh, he, he's uh, depressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he uh, 
Yeah, he, he does. His he doctor prescribed it. alcohol too. Yes, well, yeah. it was the fifties. <laughs> like, try uh, quarts of gin. Yeah, that should help. I uh, wish my doctor would uh, subscribe right. that. <clears throat> so yeah, he he gets plastered and starts roaming the streets, and he uh, winds up at a like a circus tent. Yeah, and uh, he he meets. Uh, uh, a very uh, lovely young girl uh, while he is a uh, stumble drunk. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, uh, eventually discovers that uh, she's uh, quite a talented singer. Yeah. And uh, as, as we have learned by now, he is actually a, uh, a, a pianist. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, He said pianist. Yep. Yep. Waiting for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he he's uh his his band has uh disbanded and uh he's he's just kind of aimless in his life. Yeah, and, that was uh, his thing. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to he he really thought it, they were gonna be like the best orchestra in K City or wherever they're right. from, I forget. I have no idea. Some Japanese place. Yeah. Detroit. <laughs> That's right. Some Japanese place. <clears throat> um, yeah. Uh, so he uh, he discovers this girl and her, and her talent, and he decides that uh, like he can really shape her into to being like a, a superstar. And uh, so he uh, helps her out, and then uh, like tries to mine her talent. And I'm sure some of it is is. Uh, selfish on his part as well sure yeah because he wants to like this is what he wants to do with his life right yeah it doesn't like it was it was weird because when you first saw him like you know hear her voice and i was like oh this guy's gonna fall in love with her and that's what it's all gonna be about but it doesn't really go down that road which is kind of interesting it's interesting uh i mean it is very very lightly hinted towards the end but uh, it's never like explicitly that way, and it's never. There's no romantic overtones to any of it. Yeah, yeah. It's all like about music, and then and trying to make her be a, a better musician, yeah. and, and uh, him, you know, struggling to find some sort of, uh, you know, place in, in his life again. Like now that his uh, his band has has uh, right. fallen apart. Yeah, and, and the the lady. <clears throat> I can't remember her name. Psycho. 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 Yeah. So she's... And his name is Sumi? I can't remember. Uh, It was like a week ago when I read this. Right. And they're all hard to pronounce names. They are. Well, I mean, I'm not used to these names. Right. We'll call them Mike. Okay. So anyway, Mike. (laughs) No. um, Mike and Susie. (laughs) Mike and Susie. So she's, she's like... She seems sort of... You know, like, she loves to sing, obviously, but she kind of does it in her downtime at the circus. Right. And uh, and you can tell that she doesn't feel as if she is talented enough to make a career out of it. Like, she's like, she's like, oh, no, it's kind of like my place is here in the circus, doing the circus stuff. Right. Well, her father is the ringmaster mm-hmm. that we know of. Uh, <clears throat> and, and he is seemingly very strict and, and doesn't want her to... Uh, uh, basically, he's just trying to crush your dreams. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but uh, but on the other hand, you know, I see his point. Uh, everyone's dream is to be in the circus. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to be <laughs> right? in the circus? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
Um, uh, so yeah, so, uh, uh, Mike eventually decides that, uh, he, uh, he's gonna ask, uh, Seiko to, to stay in, in, uh, in their city, uh, cause, you know, circuses travel. Yeah. Right. And, uh, you know, eventually the circus is gonna leave again, and so he asks her to stay so that he can teach her and train her and, and, you know, work on music together with her. And, uh, <clears throat> he thinks he can get her into, to a good musical school and, uh, he's offered to like pay her tuition. Uh, and she's, she's like so excited. She's, yeah. like, she's like, wow, this is amazing. But, you know, she has to ask her dad for permission first. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, surprisingly he says, that's fine. And, uh, they live happily ever. After. Yep. The, the <laughs> end. <laughs> No, that's it's not, weird that's how not. they got to this murder angle. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, so yeah, so so uh, eventually the father uh, sends a note to to Mike, and uh, again, not his name, not his name, uh, <laughs> uh, telling him that uh, you know how dare he you know propose this uh, this uh, idea to his daughter, right. and uh, she's leaving with the circus like in a day. And that uh, he just needs to go away. Yeah. And uh, so he uh, uh, once again turns to the bottle. Yep. As you do. Yep. And uh, stumbles on down to the circus to confront the old man. And uh, things go poorly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He ends up blacking out and he wakes up next to the dead body of the ringmaster. Yep. With a big knife in his back and He's yeah, blood on his, blood hands. On his hands. and, and Yeah. It's not a great situation. No, no. Uh, and he, so he uh, he escapes, and uh, well, somebody w- sees him waking up, and and finds the ringmaster dead, and so screams, screams that uh, you know, ringmaster's been murdered, and the murderer is running away. Uh, so he he runs back home, and uh, that's basically we circle back around to the beginning. Yeah. And uh, so we've we've learned how how he's gotten into this situation. Uh, he's telling his story to, to our his, other... His handcuffed partner. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, again, very thuggish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, neither of them really want to be chained together, and uh, the thug uh, continuously suggests that, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just cut off your hand, and we can both go. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's like, I play the piano. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a situation anybody really. Well, knows. sure, but I mean, at least he's got a good excuse. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know, I mean, yeah. What would ours be like? We'd like to draw and masturbate. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, respectively, like I draw. Yeah, I yeah, masturbate. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sometimes we do it simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. Why do we think we do drawing night every week? <laughs> right. <laughs> you like to call it masturbation night. Well, right? sure. But I, I tell I, my, I like to clear it up for the audience. When I, plus, when I tell my wife I'm coming over to your house, I, I just say drawing night instead of going into the whole thing. Sure, sure. It just keeps it a little less weird. I mean, it is super weird now that you've been inviting me over to your house on Saturday. <laughs> for masturbation. I mean, drawing night, drawing shit. Night, yeah. Here I go. We're ruining the... I mean, luckily, like, your wife does a lot of stuff around the house, so she's not in the room all the time. Right, and yeah. she falls asleep early. Yeah, that too. Yeah, so... So some of it gets done. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's not a situation I would ever want to be in. Is chained to a guy who's 
who's constantly saying, hey, we should just cut off your hands so we can get out of this mess. <laughs> right? Like, wait, 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 just slow down, buddy. Can't we find a way to cut this chain? Right, right. Uh, well, eventually, they, they do sort of come up with a solution. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that this is a... Uh, 52 year old comic i think we uh, can i think we're fine to spoil this yeah <laughs> yeah uh so so it turns out that our our uh our, our thuggy friend uh may have a little bit of a heart of gold after all yeah yeah uh because they he proposes a sort of a uh uh not a dare but like a gamble yeah a gamble that's yeah, it that's yeah. what he calls so, it uh where uh they, they've wound up, they're hiding in, like, some sort of clinic or something like that after being chased by the cops. And, uh, <clears throat> there's, you know, medication around, so he, he decides that, uh, they're gonna have two glasses of water, and one of them is gonna be drugged. And, uh, but, uh, he's gonna pour the drugs into one of the glasses, and then, uh, Mike is gonna switch the glasses, so neither of them will know... Like who's drinking the poison? Who's drinking the the uh, the drugged water? And whoever passes out, uh, it gets their hand cut they're, off. They're gonna wake up with one less hand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> In not a great situation. No. Uh, but he's insistent on it. Yep. And uh, oh, poor Mike. Poor Mike begins to pass out. Yeah. Yeah, because they both drink the water. Yep. And Mike is like starting things are starting to get blurry for him. Yep. And you're like, oh no. But here's what I thought was going to happen. I thought it was going to be, um, I thought it was going to be that, oh, it kind of was that though. So, so <laughs> I, I forget exactly what I thought it was going to be, but I thought it was going to be a slightly different scenario where the criminal, um, oh, I thought he was just not going to drink any of it. That's what uh -huh. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to like pretend like he was sipping on it. Right. Um, but he actually does like put put it, the water in his mouth, but then he like kind of spits it out. Yeah, he holds it in his mouth. Yeah, he, he doesn't actually drink it. Right. Yeah. Of course, you gotta. I don't know. Like, I don't know science, so wouldn't you assume though that some of the drug would uh, like? Well, he was a big dude. No, it's true. Yeah, it's he, true. he's like it probably like it, absorbing the cheeks. He probably though. yeah. <laughs> he probably felt a little woozy. Yeah, I guess. But like, yeah, the other <clears> guy started passing out. Uh, but yeah, he, he drugs both of the drinks. Uh, and so, so, no so he knew that the mic was going to pass out. Yes. Yeah. And, and so the last we see is uh, him uh, dragging Mike to, uh, to a bed and, uh, the end, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he opens up this uh, little case of sharp objects, yes, like yeah. tools. Yep. And you're like, Oh fuck. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Uh, so, oh, and Mike has this incredible, like one of my favorite scenes in the book actually is right after that is like a couple pages scene of Mike's dream about playing the piano and he goes to like oh, yeah. play the other side and he's got like this hook hand and he like freaks out. <clears throat> like, that was a great yeah. scene. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Uh, there's a, uh, you know, quite a bit of tension throughout this book. Yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. it's really well paced. Uh, you know, and, and despite the fact that, like, you know, it is a very 
familiar trope and, and you know definitely plays a lot of the, the things that we've seen in other movies, you know, and, and comics and whatever, you right. know. Uh, like, it still manages to, to, to play out some surprises. Yeah. Uh, like, even though, I mean, I think we, at least I did, you know, sort of figured out that Mike was probably going to come out through the end okay yeah i mean i assumed you know right but uh i didn't know though because i've read a couple other books by uh tetsumi okay and they're pretty dark Uh, like like they don't always end well for the main character okay so i wasn't positive but but this is the oldest thing i've read by him so apparently he wasn't as (laughs) as cynical yeah as As, uh what was he 21 yeah early 20s something like that yeah uh so, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll just fucking spoil, spoil it. Yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. Uh, so, Mike wakes up, uh, and uh, there's uh, the, the cop that arrested him originally is there, and uh, Mike uh, looks down and is surprised that he has both of his hands. Yeah, right. And he's like, <laughs> what, huh? What? Yep. And then from there, for me, anyway, the book takes a real sharp downward turn. Yep. <laughs> I honestly think if the last six pages were were just left out of this book, it would be much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's just everything wraps up so neat and yep. tidy oh, and yeah. conveniently. Yeah, that it oh, just, it's so conveniently. It's yeah. like a Sidney Sheldon book, right? <laughs> it just. It was so disappointing at the end. Yeah. And up until then, like, I was super into this book. Yeah, like, I like agree. It, it is, it's a quick read, but, but like, it is very intense at times, mm-hmm. and I was interested in the characters. Uh, and part of it might be, you know, uh, well, we we should probably mention that uh, this book's translated by uh, Adrian Tomine. Yeah. Uh, of uh, Optic Nerve, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so some of the dialogue probably reads fresher than, yeah, maybe if it had been a straight translation, sure, which I think helps, uh, because I mean, you know, there's that's true, old comics kind of clunky dialogue, yeah, 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 right, uh, and then you know, a translation on top of it, you know, sometimes makes it worse, yeah, yeah, uh, so, so I think. Tomine definitely deserves, you know, some acknowledgement as to, you know, at least for my enjoyment. His hand in, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but there, there's nothing Tomine could have, uh, rewritten those word balloons (laughs) to, to, uh, keep the story the way it is and not be a disappointment. Yeah. I mean, should we, should we say like what all happened? Yeah, might as well. So, so the cop tells Mike, he's like, he's like, turns out. Your buddy cut his own hand off because he he was like a nice guy after all, and and he and he was actually the dad of the girl you fell in love with, and the ringmaster was a really horrible man, and yeah. the the other guy that worked at the circus that didn't like the ringmaster killed the ringmaster, and then and then your your buddy that was chained to you went over and uh, scared that guy into you know confessing, confessing and. Uh, and like, hey, the circus is coming back in town, by the way. <laughs> and uh, the girl that you wrote all the music for is coming back, and here she is. Yep. <laughs> it's like a comedy. It, it is. is. So 
Yeah. Like, like, like an end of a threes company that just yeah, wraps oh, yeah. everything up in a nice little boat. In one minute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, so I wonder, too, if, if maybe, like, Tatsumi was like, I'm gonna write this, you know, graphic narrative or whatever, and, and he's like, ah, oh, this fucking thing's dark, and, yeah, yeah. Right. and then, like, he's working on it, and towards the end, like, maybe his editor or something's like, hey, man, you really gotta, like, put, like, a happy spin on this at the end, you know, you gotta yeah. make things come together. I mean, because it just seems so out of character. Especially, like I said, I've read the Pushman and other stories, and something about the abandoned all hope in old Tokyo or whatever. Like he's got these two books that I've read that are so fucking dark all the way through, mm-hmm. and and this just seems so different. Right. Like it. Like at, at least the end of it. I mean, it's abrupt. Yeah. Like it, yeah. It just seems like something was that was tacked on. Right. Uh, I mean, it could be that. Uh, like, I think, I mean, I did read the, yeah, there's an interview with him at the end, uh, that Adrian Tomine, uh, conducts with him. Yeah, that blew my mind, too. Yeah. And what he said, he did this entire book in, like, 21 days? Yeah, 127 pages. <laughs> he wrote, drew, and lettered it in 20-something days. So, maybe he just got bored at the end and was just like, ah, I gotta wrap this up. I'm yeah. done. Right. <laughs> Which, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's crazy to me i mean that's like that's like how many so what is that 100 that's like four pages a day that's like twice jack kirby's speed yeah i mean there are more than that that's more than four pages a day like four and a half pages a day that's weird and i mean you know there's it's like, it's there's some sloppy elements like there was one panel where I saw it looked like he drew his chin wrong and just said fuck it and left it that way. There's like an extra chin line that goes nowhere. Yeah, I mean, it it does look very quick and and it is you know definitely reminiscent of like old, like Astro Boy, like the the art style. Yeah. Like super crude and and, uh, very, very cartoony and loose. Yeah, really loose for sure. Uh, and, you know, like, the panels, like, there's an average, I would say, of, like, four to five panels per page, but then quite a few splashes as well. Right. But, I mean, it's... But there's tones to it. There's like, there's cross-hatching and hatching, and, like, backgrounds are pretty minimal, but... But they're, they're, they're enough to serve it. Right, yeah. It's not like a, a current Neil Adams book or anything. Right. I mean, it's definitely something that... In spots, you can tell a rush, but for the most part, like, thinking about how quickly he did this is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. Especially since it stays consistent. Like, it doesn't look oh, like... Oh, yeah. It's not like the first half is really nice. And, like, right. I've seen some 24-hour comics where you're like, wow, this, wow, this looks good. And then, like, Three eight pages, pages in, yeah, <laughs> it's like, whoa, they realized, yeah. Hit a wall. They said eight hours on the first page. Right. Uh... I mean, you know, maybe it has something to do with the fact that, like, the first 20 pages are in color. Yeah, that is really weird. Like, he mentioned something about it at the end, and, yeah. and like, in that in that interview, Adrian Tomini asks him about that, and he doesn't really answer, because he says, uh, um, where is it at? He, Adrian Tomini says, why are some of the Black Blizzard pages in color and some in black and white? And Tatsumi says, this is a vestige of the fact that rental book manga, which is how he worked at that time, 
It was basically like blockbuster video for manga. But he's such a weird idea. I would love that. <laughs> but he says, rental book manga were aimed at children. Later, as readership widened to include adults, color pages gradually were phased out. But that doesn't really answer the question that why this one has some of both. Because right. it's not like... Well, maybe he started it, and then... And 20 days later, that uh, adults were into comics? Sure. Uh, I don't know. But the one thing that is interesting about that is on page 16, it is that's the last color page, and it's as the criminals are escaping from the train wreck. Right. And on the very next page, where it turns black and white, in the, in the second panel, Mike says, Oh, my coat's caught on something. And he's like, and the other guy's, Well, just take it off. And so... So uh, you're saying the coat represents color in his life. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying that um, it looks like in the first 16 pages, you know, they're both, they, they both are wearing coats that are very kind of similar looking. Like yeah. the thugs has some like dots on it. Right. But they're both like medium darkness. And I think once it became black and white, he was like, oh, fuck. They're going to look exactly the same. Right. So he has Mike take his coat off, and he's wearing, like, a black sweater under it for the yeah. rest of the book. So I think that's why that this whole exchange happens is because it doesn't come into play at all. It's not like he's like, oh, my picture of, of my girlfriend's in my coat. Oh, you know, right, like right. nothing like that happens. It's just he no longer has a coat. And that's, right. like, there's no point to this other than I think that's why it's he did separate. it. I mean, that's pretty clever, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Because it... Because it happens so quick that you don't really think about it, but I just kept thinking, like, why? You know, why is this happening? Like, like, like it honestly never even occurred to me that that they would like. To me, it just seems like it's one of those things. Oh, like yeah, to escape and his coat, his coat, right? Take off the coat. But it seems like it's such a short, fast-paced story that it seemed like that would be something that you know he wouldn't even include unless it meant something to the story. Like if right. something was lost in the coat or it had like some evidence or whatever but so i went back to looked at it i was like oh it's when it went black and white so that that, i thought that was really interesting that is pretty interesting and like i said it's pretty clever it also you know i mean makes it a little more dramatic it means he's got less uh protection for the the cold that's true yeah makes the 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 urgency of their situation a little more uh you know uh, heightened right yeah until we get to the really shitty end yeah, that's a terrible ending. It is. It really is. But you know, I mean, I mean, he was in his twenties. Yeah. I mean, think about what we did in our twenties. Oh, hey. <laughs> Not only do they have bad endings, but they have bad beginnings and middles. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say, <sighs> but it kind of does. I was gonna say, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it detracts from my overall enjoyment of the story, but. It, kind of does it was it was disappointing yeah because yeah. i mean like for literally like nine tenths of the book you're like this is pretty good right and then it just kind of like oh you know <laughs> yeah and i did read the whole thing like just in one setting in one night so it was like it was like this you know you know you're a page turner yeah. you know yeah. so i was into it but yeah but i think it i think it just i think it really is more about who he was as a storyteller and and who he became because, um, cause if you haven't read that, like seriously, the Pushman and other stories, it's like, it's like maybe a dozen stories in a, you know, like a 300 page collection. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And they're really dark. Like, like not just, not just like creepy dark. Some of them are, but 
they're more just like, man, that that's fucked up. That's just the right. way it is, you know. And and uh, and they're just really great character pieces. And a lot of the main characters, which this is strange because it's not the way at all in Black Blizzard, but the way he tells the stories in the other books that I've read, usually the main character never talks, and it's not always. It's not like. You know, it's not like Henry from the comic strip. It's not like one guy. Right. It's like different characters in each story. But very rarely does he ever have the main character talk. But he has other people talk in the book. Like That's other, weird. Other people talk to him or something. But it's like this kind of element that runs through a lot of his stories where like the main character says nothing. Wow. That, yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I mean, how, how does his art evolve? It, it looks... It looks pretty much the same. I mean, like, like, like you mentioned before, how this is kind of Astro Boyish. Like, maybe some of the lines are less curvy, cartoony, and they're a little more like, you know, they remind me more of like um, Canadian and American uh, small press books from like the eighties and nineties. Like, they kind of, I mean, you can tell it's like it's got a Japanese artist because it has that influence, but but it's less so than this. Like it's it's less traditional manga looking than this. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would definitely be interested in reading, you know, something else by him for sure. Uh especially if you know, they stick the landing a little bit better yeah. than this one does. Yeah, yeah, they usually do. I I've never this is the longest story I've ever read by him, although he has one graphic novel that's like it's like seven hundred pages or something ridiculous. And it it's his life story, it's his autobiography. Oh um, I'd love to read it sometime. I've been wanting to. It's called a drifting life, but okay. but I've, I've it's just it's kind of uh, intimidating. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's worth the read. Yeah, you know, just just a to see, you know, this this sort of you know touchstone from from fifty years ago. Yeah, and, you know. You know, Japanese comics, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Uh, it's definitely not a uh, a genre or, or format that I'm familiar with, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't read a lot of yeah. Japanese comics, but I mean, especially like when when you traditionally think of manga, you know, it's usually you know big eyed, big boob girls, you know, robots, and robots, and you know, weird animal sex right. and. <laughs> Uh, and this is this is just dudes and crimes, right? Yeah, yeah. which is totally up my alley. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, like literally up until like the last five pages, this story is great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I honestly think, yeah, like you could just kind of make up your own ending and like skip, right? Like stop at page one twenty two or whatever. <laughs> yeah, Black Blizzard. Yeah, pretty it was, interesting. It was, it was cool, yeah, yeah. but I I would definitely say not his best work. So, like, if you're like, oh, that guy sounds interesting, I've never read anything by him. I wouldn't start here. Yeah, like unless you just kind of want to do it chronologically, I would I would definitely look for um, Pushman. It's a great collection. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I I appreciated reading this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I can't think of. of I don't think we've read anything as old as that. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think we've even read anything from the 60s, have we? Um, I think 70s is the oldest thing we've read. I think so. That, that may have been relatively recently. Yeah. With uh, the Eternals. Yeah. We'll have to read like a 
collection of like Little Nemo or something. Right. Hey, I'd be a Alright, want to take a break? Sure, let's break. Was that a question or a statement? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it could have been either. It could have been neither. <laughs> well, uh, it's a t-shirt idea. Sure. Feeling good? Eh, it's kind of hard to 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 get across uh, intonation on a t-shirt. Well, <laughs> Right. Well, that's why you can't tell if it's a question or not. Yeah. It'd be like the cover of the original Killing Joke, where the Joker says smile. Right. But there's no punctuation. Sure. Which is much preferable, I believe, to the one where it has an exclamation mark. Sure. I agree with that. Which one has the exclamation mark? Uh, the, the newer ones do. The newer ones. Yeah. It, which is weird, actually. In the new previews, the January one at least... Um, I was looking through it today, ordering the DC stuff, and there's a hardcover deluxe version of the Killing Joke. Another one, a new one. Yeah. 
And uh, is this the black and white one? This is the one that has it has black and white stuff. It has the original Killing Joke, and it has uh, Boland's recoloring of it. So three versions of the same book. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's like 150 pages for like 50 bucks. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, weird. Yeah. Like I I own the the recolored one. Yeah, which I think looks great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing against uh, John Higgins. I think that's the guy who colored the original one. But yeah, yeah it looks fine. Yeah, I yeah. actually prefer the newer color one. Though. I, I do as well. Yeah. But but I think it's really weird that, like, why why money? Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> because you know people will buy it. That's true. Yeah, we didn't order one because we already have like two different versions of the Killing Joke. Right. And I mean, we sell them, but. They're also they're like fifteen dollars instead of fifty. Right, so. right. Yeah, I'm sure somebody will probably come in and ask for it mm-hmm. at some point. Anyway, yeah, uh, it's it is Batman. Yeah, uh, and you know, whatever. It's I mean, it's the killing joke. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine story. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I've read it's, I've read better and I've read worse. Yeah, Batman yeah. stories exactly. Uh, maybe not prettier. But maybe know. not. Yeah, <laughs> I'll have to think about that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's probably some, but there's some great. It, it's definitely, I'd say, top five best drawn Batman comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can't really argue with that <laughs> because Liefeld only drew Batman in an issue of Hawk and Dove, right? So never drew an actual right. Batman. Yeah, That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's great. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, man. I, I honestly really wish Liefeld would have drawn a Batman story, even even if it wasn't a Batman comic, in like in the heyday, because the Hawk and Dove thing he drew was in like, you know, the New 52 in like sure. 2011 or 12. Yeah. You know, where he's like, his style's changed over the years, and yeah. it's not as like fun. It's, it's still, you know, just as is bad but it's not as fun <laughs> and this comes from someone who i really appreciates his work but, right, right i mean obviously i i'm not i'm not an idiot so i can tell it's bad right. but <laughs> but again that might be debatable <laughs> if i'm an idiot or yeah, not. Right. yeah um but but no i really wish he would have like drawn just a batman three-page story or whatever in like the early 90s that would have been great yeah. mid 90s whatever i mean you know i'm uh not a fan uh even though like i I have defended him on on an occasion Mm -hmm. uh but but i think after our our last time where where you forced me to read a liefeld book it was oh the infinite yeah like like he pushed me over the edge of where i'm I'm not gonna defend him anymore uh but his work has noticeably gotten worse yeah it really has yeah well it just seems like he's like, you can tell in the early 90s, I mean, there's zero... Like, I don't think anyone could even effectively argue that he didn't have the most enthusiasm of any comic artist on the planet in the early 90s. Sure. He surely did. Yeah. But he's definitely not that enthusiastic anymore. And it's one of those things where, back then also, like, you could tell that he has raw talent. Yeah. Like, like there, there is a nugget of something inside him that, like, you know, 
given proper training and conditioning, he would have been, you know, well, I mean, he was a megastar, but, like, he, he would have been a good megastar. <laughs> right. You know? He would have been a, uh, his career would have had a consistent longevity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but I, I definitely feel like, like, it's, I feel like it's one of those things where, like, he, he became popular so early in his career that, like, he was just like, well, why do I need to get better? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm already obviously the shit. Right. Yeah. 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 It feels like he hasn't really tried in, like, a decade. Yeah. You know? But he's still, he's still doing it, which is weird to me because I feel like he's, he's, financially well off enough that oh, if he sure. doesn't really want to do it, he doesn't need to. Right. But I mean, he still does some covers and occasionally he'll, he'll start something that he doesn't finish. Sure. But, but well, he did that Deadpool graphic novel for some reason. That's true. Well, yeah. I'm sure they paid him well. Yeah. I don't know. It just, <laughs> that part of it always kind of gets me like, like, like I, if I had the proper mentality to, to become a success at comics like he had, where it got to the point where you could write your own ticket and do whatever the fuck you wanted. Right. And squander it. Because, <laughs> I mean, he squandered it. Like, like, all the goodwill that he had built up, like, he just... He just stopped producing work. Yeah, like like he uh, he came up with like a million ideas and let other people do them. But yeah, like he wasn't barely involved. Right, and it just all imploded eventually, and then he just kind of just stopped doing the work. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and uh, but then, like when you look at his recent career, the only things that he's consistently done are Marvel and DC books. Right. Which, like, if you had the clout and, and the, 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 the level of stardom that he did, why wouldn't you do your own thing? Yeah, right. Like, like that gets me. Like, yeah. like, I, like, I don't get it. Especially since he has all these characters. It's not like, you know, he's got nothing. Right. And he has ideas. Yeah. But, yeah, it's really weird. I mean... I don't know. Yeah. I, I would love to see him just do something... Just fucking batshit crazy. Sure. Like, full of weird violence and crazy robotic characters. and Right. Just do whatever the hell he wants to do and yeah. and draw draw it really well. Like, you know, like a, I, think he, I think he could if he I'm put, sure. put yeah. some time and energy into it. But, yeah, it's just... You know why? I mean, other than the fact that the character is hugely popular and Marvel probably paid him a shit ton of money, yeah. Why do a Deadpool graphic novel when he could have spent that time and energy to make, you know, the Bloodstrike comic that he never finished, <laughs> or Doom's Four? Was that him? That was also him. Yes. I yeah. Well, I'm more excited about Mich is it Michelle or Michael Fife doing Bloodstrike? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That'll be I'm, cool. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, no, I think uh, yeah, I think Liefeld. 
I don't know. I like. I actually legitimately love looking at his his art, especially his nineties art. Right. Like it seriously fills me with a joy that most things don't. You know. Right. And uh, have have you told your wife? This? <laughs> oh, she's she sees it every day on the light switch that goes into our laundry room. I have a I have a young blood light switch, <laughs> light switch cover. You know, but. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but like, there's just, it's missing from the stuff that I've seen from him in the last 10 years. Like, it just, it just seems like, it seems like someone who's, I don't know, like sketching artwork kind of based on Liefeld's art, but they're not as good as Liefeld. Right. And also, uh, I mean, you know, I don't pay that much attention, but a lot of it seems like, you know, He's playing off sort of the idea of what Rob Liefeld is. Yeah. And a lot of it seems sort of like a greatest hits package version yeah. of Rob Liefeld. Yeah, but, like, a, but like a, by a subpar cover band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, it's, it's, and it kind of reminds me too of maybe like, like I got the same kind of feeling when Tommy was so was like, oh yeah, yeah, it's funny. Yeah, the room's funny. Right, yeah, right, yeah, right. that's right. So it's like, you do this thing and it's received in a way that maybe you didn't intend. Right. And then you kind of like ape play into it. And, yeah. What, yeah. what people have, you know, their, their perspective instead of your perspective. And, right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't think his books are nearly as fun as they used to be. Yeah. What, what little there are that exist. I, I did think the Deathstroke, uh, stuff he did for new 52 Deathstroke was kind of up there yeah. like i think it was a lot more fun and i enjoyed it because it was just it was just weird and dumb and right. crazy it was like kids playing with toys yeah. like that's what the story was but um i enjoyed that more than anything i think he's done in the last 10 or 15 years did you ever read that deadpool graphic novel? i have not i yeah i thought about just giving it back to the store but it came shrink wrapped and like, I got opened the shrink wrap and uh, yeah, so yeah. technically it's used so right. I, I'd get like a dollar or two for it so <laughs> I'm like eh I don't know, I'll just read it eventually right but yeah no yeah. how did we get started on this <laughs> I don't know every right. every ten minutes I say the word life fell <laughs> <laughs> sometimes we roll with it <laughs> I think that's how it happened. <laughs> uh, oh, we were talking about Killing Joke. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's so many Batman books in the new previews, like reprints of stuff like like all the Brian Vaughn Batmans are in there, and then yeah. there's there's like all the Mike Barr, uh, Neary ones are collected. and Ed Brubaker. Yeah, Brubaker. there's like... There's like a ton of ton of that stuff. It's weird. I like I, Batman's a really good seller for us at the store. But even, and and Batman's my favorite comic character ever. Yeah. And even I didn't order all of those books. I was like, that's just too many Batman books to come out in one month. Like, right. like no one's like we're not going to sell all those. Yeah. I don't it's, know. I, don't, I mean, I get he's a popular character and people love him, but you know. Like, yeah, and it's not like it's like even a. You know, a meager month because also the Dark Knight's Metal, all three of those collections come out, mm-hmm. and uh, a new trade of Rebirth, uh, Detective, and Batman all both come out that month. So it's not like 
It's not like they were like, oh, we got to have some Batman stuff out. Right. There's like 20 Batman graphic novels coming out in March. In addition to the regular series. Yeah. yeah. And and The Signal. and yeah. um There's another Batman miniseries. I forget what it is. And he's going to be in the Brave and the Bold series with Wonder Woman. I mean, yeah. it's like, it's crazy the amount of Batman books there are. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh... You know, like, yeah, I love Batman, too. And, uh, I mean, I, uh... Do you prefer it when he wears his underwear on the inside or outside? Well, outside. Yeah, me, too. Um, but but I could maybe do with a, a Batman break. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is weird, me saying this, because I'm actually thinking of doing an all-Batman theme month for a sketch a day i remember you saying that yeah that would be exciting and uh mostly because i don't want to think anymore what i'm drawing and like if i knew that like i just had to draw 28 or 30 pictures of batman like yeah i could crank those out oh yeah yeah oh yeah or even his villains right. like you've hey, drawn no, just batman yeah no yeah just batman well i know you've drawn plenty of his villains too. i have i have yeah. i was trying to find something i can't remember was it about batman it was about batman was it about his trunks <laughs> no okay because because the other big hero he he has trunk news <laughs> it's true uh, yeah, it was just announced today that Superman's getting his red underwear back. I know. And honestly, pretty excited. Everyone's excited. It's the stupidest thing in the world to be excited about, but <laughs> it's good to know that DC is learning things. Well, do you know you want to know something else stupid to be excited about? Yes. Because I've been looking at this for a while now. <laughs> Considering buying one, but they're three hundred dollars. Holy shit. And they're they measure five by seven. <laughs> five feet? Nope. Five inches by seven inches. Oh. So. What? So my, probably my favorite living cartoonist is a man named Chester Brown. Sure. So he has been redrawing a story. So, so what he's done, and he's selling them for $300 a panel for these original panels. They are... Made for his Patreon subscribers, because okay. he has a Patreon account, and some people have sold them since they've got them, okay. but basically, he took a script from a Carl Barks Donald Duck story from 1949, and he's been redrawing it with the characters replacing Batman replacing Donald, Robin replacing the three nephews, it's like one person is Robin, and Batgirl replaces Daisy, and he's been doing this for a while now, and some of them are so... Weird. Like, here's one of just Batman drinking, throwing pills down his mouth. <laughs> I don't know why. What he's doing. Yeah, here, Wait, check is out he that. telling it in orbit? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> oh, wow. I love that. <laughs> They're so good. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's doing it panel by panel. And, uh, and it's great because whenever there's a scene with, uh, Robin in it, you know that, like, you know, all three of the, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were there, you know, or anytime you see Daisy, it, or Batgirl, it's really Daisy, and anytime you see Batman, it's really Donald. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, wow. That's yeah. bizarre. It's strange, yeah. yeah. But 
awesome, I guess. I've seen a couple of them in person when we were at um, CXC when me and you were there. Yeah. I didn't know what they were, but the Beguilin had a table and they had a portfolio that had some of his stuff in it. And there were some of these Batman drawings. And I was like, what are these from? Is this like some fan commission or something? And so after we went home, I looked it up. And that's what it is. He's just doing this Karl Barks, <laughs> Donald Duck story. That's crazy. Oh, I kind of love it. I yeah. kind of love it. Uh, what, a, what a neat dude. <laughs> uh, that's definitely one word you could call him. Yep. A dude. Uh, so... What's new? Um, nothing. Nothing yeah. really. Yeah. Um, just drawing and working. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. much it. I, re- I read a book. Yeah, an actual book oh. th- this week. Yeah, yeah. Because it's weird. Like I swear I'm not an idiot, but I I feel like um, sometimes a year goes by and I don't read any books, mm-hmm. and I, then I do feel like an idiot. I haven't read a book in probably six or seven years. Oh, I'm sure that's not true. I've seen you reading. Like, you had a short story book of something. I don't know what it was. <laughs> I remember seeing the book in there. And, uh, I mean, I have books. Oh, okay. Well, sure. <laughs> I just haven't read them. So, I have this rule. This self. I have very few self-imposed rules in this world because there's enough rules to follow anyway. Sure, sure. But one of my rules I've made for myself is that anytime I check out a piece of digital media from the library, I have to also check out a book. Okay. Like, I won't let myself leave the library with just a DVD or a CD or whatever. Um, I have to take a printed matter with me as well. Okay. I don't always read them. <clears throat> I don't always even open the, the cover, but it just it's a rule that I'm going home with something. All right. So, last week, I was at the library, and I was looking for... I was looking for Super 8 on DVD. Okay. And, uh, you know, they, I own a copy. You could have just asked for it. <laughs> oh, shoot. Well, they did not have it. Okay. And so while I was there, I, I was like, well, I'll just look at the CDs. I ended up picking up a couple of CDs. I, I've been wanting to hear the new Beck album, even though that Like Wow song is terrible. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, maybe the rest of it's good. And spoiler, it's not. Um, <laughs> so I went home with the new Beck CD and I was like, well, I got to grab something else. And I just like, they were actually doing renovation on the library. So like, half of it was like closed and like had like that like clear construction uh death paper up sure. you know like the dexter wrap yeah, yeah. and uh and so like i couldn't really look at much of the sections anyway and i just i went by the new biography section i was like i'll just grab a biography and they had one on jd salinger and uh and i was like well, I've never even read anything by J.D. Salinger. Like, I know who he is. Right. And, you know, the catcher in the rye dude. And yeah. supposedly he's a recluse and, yeah. and, and he's and dead. His kid played Captain America. I did not know that. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and which, and which Captain America? The 90s. 70s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so he was alive to see that then because he, he, he yeah. died in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I bet they were at the premiere of the never released <laughs> Captain America together <laughs> that's awesome to think <laughs> rubber ears and all so so i picked up this book on jd salinger and i was like i probably won't even open this because i've never read any jd salinger so I, my interest level's not as high as it probably would be if right but i took it home and uh one night i was like oh, i'll just read a few pages of this before bed and and like i read the entire book in a week which for me 
is is pretty fast because um, I'm a dumb guy. I'm used to reading comics. Sure. But um, it was so good. It's called J.D. Salinger, Escape Artist, and I forget the guy's name who wrote it. I think his last name is Bellow. <laughs> no. But it was very, very good. It was, I mean, like, not only was it interesting subject matter, but it was just, it was written really well. Like, it was, like, not too, uh, like, literary where it had, like, a million words I didn't know. But it wasn't just, like, tabloid-style dumbness either. It was, like, this happy medium. And, uh, and like, I'm really interested in reading some of his stuff now that I've, that I've read this book about him. What would you learn about him? Um, What's the most interesting thing about J.D. Salinger other than he's a recluse and his kid played Captain America? His name's Jerome. Jerome. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. And and there's more. Like he, what does uh, the D stand for? Um, Daredevil. Okay. Um, I don't remember. It probably says, but I don't remember. But no, it just, it like talked about like how he got into writing and like how it like freaked him out when, you know, popularity started happening and how he dialed back from all that. And it, he just was a really interesting dude. And basically he didn't publish anything the last 45 years of his life. He lived in this like house that was fenced in with this giant black dog for 45 years and he was writing all the time mm-hmm. and he just never published anything wow. and he died in his like 90s he was like 91 i think mm-hmm. but, Did, but uh maybe i'm thinking of someone else is there another famous recluse author dave barry yeah that's who i'm thinking of <laughs> <laughs> um he's the only one i can think of like that. Whenever I hear people make jokes about someone being a recluse, they call him J.D. Salinger. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. But he, uh, like he. No, I know who I'm thinking of now. Never mind. I was Pink, Pink of, Floyd. Uh, <laughs> that guy is a recluse. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I was thinking of uh, Thomas Pynchon. Okay. I don't know who that also, is. Also, like, wrote like two books and became hugely famous, and then just like disappeared. Yeah. Except for he played himself on an episode of the simpsons oh wow that's pretty cool yeah uh <laughs> just like alan moore yeah kind of yeah. reckless that plays himself on the simpsons yeah. uh yeah that's what i was thinking of. never mind all right yeah yeah but it was, it was really interesting and like and he uh you know he he like i think one of the things that perhaps did send him into like reclusivity if that's a word he he was um he was like he was, his job was like, I think they called it counterintelligence something or other. It had this big long name, but he was, he was in the army in the, in the forties, like right after world war two. And he, his job was to go around and find people who were Nazis, like hiding as, you know, civilians. Mm. And it's like, that was like a pretty shitty job apparently. And, and he also was was there when they like freed some of the camps and the like from France and things and saw some pretty horrible horrible things and when he got back to America i guess he was just kind of like he was off put by his his own surroundings because he he wasn't like it's like a i guess a form of PS, ptsd PTSD where where you like you're no longer comfortable in your situation because you know like like you're just like life is steps away from being this atrocity right. and he was just kind of like freaked out about everything after that so mm. sounds like a pussy to me <laughs> cuz you know what Ian Fleming 
and Roald Dahl also both were counterintelligence for the British uh, military. Oh, yeah. And, you know, just lived life like ballers. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing that I think was bad is he was really in love with this girl, and she moved out to Hollywood when he was enrolled in the Army, and she was going to try to become an actress. And he was like, oh, he's like, I just, he's like, I just hope that she doesn't end up leaving me for some someone famous and like every time i see that famous person i'm gonna think of her turns out she did for a guy named charlie chaplin which, Heard of him. which i think what there is a constant reminder of uh <laughs> of that throughout their lives so like i think he was just kind of going mad well sure honestly yeah <laughs> again ian fleming man just yeah. <laughs> just took it and rolled with it and bought an island in the bahamas <laughs> Well, not everyone can be influent. That's true. <laughs> but but I'm I'm totally gonna like check out some of it. It's to me it's weird that I've never checked out anything by him because I I'm interested in that like kind of style of writing like you know like George Orwell and like all that stuff that's it's like you know Clockwork Orange you know like teen angst uh, right. literary kind of stuff and and I never ever have like read any of it or been asked to read it in school or anything so yeah same uh i mean like i'll be a thousand percent honest i have zero interest in ever reading catcher in the Rye. yeah zero yeah and, and it's probably one of those things where it's like you know it's like the beatles of novels sort of it's like yeah, yeah it's good it's really good but, right, yeah. but not as good as you said it was right yeah, yeah. Or, or just maybe even like you know like how, uh, like the band Tool, some people like are really not into Tool, just totally based on the people who like Tool. Sure. Yeah. It was like... Which I get. Sure. I totally get that too. Yeah. Uh, so it might be like one of those things where like, well, like the people who really love and talk about this book, like they're just not people that I'm yeah. super into. You know, the guy that killed John Lennon. <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of serial, For one. A lot of, a lot of serial killers read that book. Yeah. But, but, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, any, like I love uh, I love Tool and Pink Floyd and, you know, all these bands that there are people that bestow upon them this sort of religious, uh, you know, like, like that they've made this plateau. Like, they're no longer a band. They're fucking gods and they've right. changed my life. And it's like... You know, yeah, they're good. They're no, they're no Melvins, uh, but they're good. So I, th- I think it's probably the same way with Catching the Rye. I'm sure when I read it, I'm like, yeah, it was good, but you know, he's no George Orwell. He's right. you know, he's no Kurt Vonnegut. Um, I mean, that's what I anticipated. Like I said, I've never. Only thing I've ever read by him are like very brief snippets in in this book about him because oh, he wrote the book Sniglets. <laughs> Sniglets. So this is really weird. So this is interesting. At I think this is at Princeton. They have all these files of letters that J.D. Salinger wrote. And they have these weird rules where you're allowed to go in, um, but you all you can have with you are... You can have a laptop with you, but they'll, they'll bring out from this, like, these, like, you know, their archives, these files full of the letters that he wrote and people wrote to him. But they set them at a different table than the one that you're sitting at with your laptop. Mm-hmm. And you can go over to the other table and look at them without your laptop. And then you can go back to your table 
which is one table away. It's like six feet away. You can go back to your table and type down what you saw. And the guy that's writing the book, he said the first time that he went there, you know, he was like, you know, they told him like, so you're not allowed to bring any sort of writing utensils. And, um, if you want paper, you know, we'll, we'll give you paper, but the only paper you're allowed to leave with is this stationery of ours because we had people steal papers before. And so he's like, okay. And so he has his laptop and, and he said that at first he like walked over to the other table and he tried to do it like nonchalantly. Like I'm going to go over here and look at this and then go back to my table and type down what I saw. And he like kind of nonchalantly tries to do that. So they don't notice him. Mm -hmm. But he said, it's obvious they did notice that he did it and they didn't say anything. So he said like, as time goes on, he's like, he said he's, he like makes more and faster and more frequent trips from table to table because that's the rule. You can't have both things at one table. Right. And he said like, eventually it was like this cartoonish display where he's like running from one table to the next as if he's like, he said it, it probably looked like he was like getting water from one table to dump on a fire on the other table back and forth. He said it was like insane, but that's just the rule there. Right. So it's just really strange <clears throat> because I guess, I guess, like it was like in Salinger's, you know, like will or whatever, you know, that I guess they could have all these things, but you know, no one's allowed to like copy them or like, Weird. yeah, it's just so, so strange. Huh. But yeah, just odd dude. Basically the book should have just been called odd dude. <laughs> <laughs> it saved us all some time, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. So that's all I've really done this week is, is read that and, and work. Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah. 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 I didn't do anything nearly as smart. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for keeping it real. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I was the one that was being a phony. <laughs> it's a Salinger joke, people. Sorry. watch tv and read comic books that's it that's that's awesome yeah that's what i'm gonna do the next week right. that's all i'm gonna do uh yeah i think uh since since the last time we we did a show uh i both watched and read uh the end of the fucking world oh yeah, yeah. i i i uh i i did two things with that too i watched <laughs> it and i made a lot of money off the comics <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a comic by Charles Forsman. Yeah, also known as Chuck Forsman. Sure, uh, he had uh, you know, little mini comics that that came out like five six years ago, and yeah. that's now a uh, an eight episode Netflix series. And mm -hmm. I watched the the show and, and really loved it, and uh, I was like, I knew it was based on a comic I had never read, and I was telling you about it and. Yeah, fucking course you own every individual issue of it. Sure. Well, I did own every issue. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. And uh, so uh, I asked to borrow them and then read them and, and was very shocked how closely they, they both uh, like well, lined up. Right. Uh, like like it is a very faithful adaptation. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely some differences, but there's like mostly tone differences of things. Like it seems a little bleaker in the comics and a little more fun in the show. Uh, a little bit. Uh, but there's also just details, like you know, like like characters that didn't exist in the yeah. In the like one character comic. becomes two, right? Yeah, kind of yeah. like 
You like in Jester Brown's uh, Donald Duck Batman story. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but still, like like for the most part, the the plot and even dialogue and, and scenes are, are all the same. It was very surprising. Yeah. Uh, and then I enjoyed reading it, and, and would highly recommend uh, either to people. Yeah. And then uh, I gave you the, your comics back, and then you immediately sold them on eBay. And when you say immediately, <laughs> I mean fucking immediately. In the most unexaggerated use of that term yep so you gave them back to me and uh you're like by the way i think these are going for a lot of money online so i picked up my phone i looked them up on ebay five minutes later i listed them on ebay for eighty dollars and five minutes after that i sold them on ebay yep <laughs> literally like that yeah it was like 10 minutes after you told me they were worth money i had sold them for eighty dollars yep <laughs> and like Eighty dollars doesn't sound like an amazing amount of money, but these are like, these are like the smaller than your hand, like like mini comics, half size of like what you normally think of as mini comics. Yeah, and they're only like four, six pages long. Yeah, eight, I think eight. Yeah, I'm yeah. counting the covers, but yeah, they're they're like yeah, you can read the entire series in like half an hour at the most. Yeah, at the most. Yeah, yeah, and that's if you're like, you know, sort of like lovingly looking at the artwork. Right. And and I honestly like, I I enjoyed it when I read it, but it was from a company called Oily Comics, and it was like Charles Forsman and a couple other people's imprint or whatever. I think mostly Charles, um, but it was like not one of my favorite things they did. Like there was like at least three other books I I I, I liked a lot more. Mm -hmm. So when I found out it was worth money, I was like, oh shit, yes, I'll sell these. <laughs> and uh, and I and I honestly think I liked that. I watched all the show too. I liked the show better. Yeah. Oh, I, I just like the changes in tone that I that I noticed, um, but yeah, and it was great. I sold them on eBay for eighty bucks for these tiny. I mean, I, it was probably like ten or fifteen dollars worth of cover price right. plus whatever postage I spent on it. So it's one of the few times I've ever made money on a comic <laughs> book. But um, not that it's about the money. It's just like it would have sat there in my shelf forever. Um, I don't know that I ever would have reread them, so right. I was happy to trade that for some gas sure. in my car and some kitty litter and right. whatever. And, and usually, like you, you've had, uh, you know, the occasional example where, like, you know, a comic suddenly becomes a hot property. Oh yes, and and, uh, and I miss out miss out on yeah. them, capitalizing on it. Yeah. Like like I should have sold these when they were worth like fifty cents an issue. Right, that's like my usual mode of operation yeah you should have sold these about five months earlier yeah when uh you know the the show was only being shown on the bbc yeah and no one gave a damn right and uh yeah i sold it for like you know five dollars for right. all 16 of them that would have been something i usually do right yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you actually managed to make a couple bucks on yeah it. and like you know i mean who knows it might end up being worth twice as much down the road, but right. I'm pretty darn happy with my eighty dollars. It's 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 a fine deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, it was a good show. If you haven't seen it yet, you can watch. It, like the entire series equals about an hour and a half worth of watching. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty short. Yeah, yeah. I think like one episode is only like ten minutes long. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Highly recommend it. Yeah. The end of the fucking world. If you didn't catch it. Uh, and then uh, the, only, the only other real thing I've been doing is, uh, so bought, uh, that, uh, Jack Kirby's Fourth World Omnibus oh, yeah. uh, back in December. And, 
So the other day, I was uh, after I finished reading The End of the Fucking World, and I said, what should I follow this up with? <laughs> and uh, I grabbed my Mr. Miracle trade and uh, started reading that. And then I said, well, wait, I've got that giant-ass omnibus that has all these issues, and it has all of Kirby's issues of uh, Jimmy Olsen, the Forever People, and the New Gods, in addition to Mr. Miracle. I should just read that instead. And so I decided that I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to read the entire wow. 53-issue Fourth World Omnibus. And uh, so I'm doing it in small doses, though. I'm doing at least one a week. One chapter a day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah, you can do that. I, mean, I can do that. If, yeah. if, if someone out there read... On a weekly basis, DC's uh, fifty-two or countdown. Yeah, then, <laughs> then you can read this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, so I'm uh, five days into it at this point. Four days. Uh, so there's been three issues of Jimmy Olsen, one issue of uh, Forever People, and one issue of New Gods that I've read at this point. Nice. Uh, and uh, every day on my social media, I've been posting one panel. Uh, of like you know just like something that grabs me like my favorite panel or just something ridiculous like an insane panel right yeah or or just something just amazingly awesome uh <clears throat> and uh, so so it's been kind of fun and uh, I'm enjoying it for the most part yeah, yeah I mean you know it's Kirby writing so right. so you, if you know that going in you know yeah there's there's you know speaking of earlier and you know clunky dialogue right. there, there's yeah. a lot of that yeah he's he was he was a amazing idea man amazing artist but uh you know hit and miss as a writer yeah yeah uh i will say so far um my least favorite issue that i've read so far is forever people number one mm-hmm. uh like like, the three Jimmy Olsons leading up to that, like, just sort of started laying the foundation for, like, you know, what would become the fourth world stuff. Uh, but mostly it was just, like, weird Jimmy Olsen stories with, like, wacky sidekicks and then Superman huh. being, you know, dad, you know. Uh, but, like, you know, like the stuff that we know and love about Kirby, like, was, was sort of minimized. Yeah. I mean, it was there for sure, but but not at the forefront. So I get to Forever People, I'm thinking, okay, this is his Here thing. It comes, right? Here it comes. It's mostly a story about Superman just being a whiny fucking bitch. <laughs> like, he's he's sad that he's Superman. And that is a thing that I hate the most about any oh, Superman yeah, story. Right. Like, no, he's not sad about being Superman. Right. <laughs> like, like, it's all about him being lonely and like he discovers like these for the forever people have like come from this other world where there's a place called Supertown. He really wants to go to Supertown so that he can meet other superheroes. He is in the fucking Justice League. Yeah. And he has met other superheroes. He is the epitome of first world problem guy because he's got <laughs> he's like he's like, Oh, I can do anything. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm all powerful. Yeah, I'm a handsome and successful reporter in my day job. And nothing can kill me. Yeah. Like I can, can change the the I can change coal into diamonds or reverse time or fly around and it sucks. Yep. 
And that is seriously mostly what that issue is. And then, like, some, like, you know, dark side shows up at, like, three pounds. <laughs> and, or, and or Don Rickles. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Okay, spoiler. Sorry. It's coming, though. I know it is. <laughs> uh, but then I read New Gods, number one, and that was just pure balls to the wall Kirby madness. That's awesome. And I loved it. I haven't read all of those. I've read parts of, of all those series, like Mr. Miracle and everything, but I've, I need to do that too. Just read them all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's my new obsession. Like, not obsession, but I would say, you know, project. Right. Yeah. Like I always lament that like, like gutter trash is pretty much the only time that I read a comic. Sure. Yeah. You know, and then I have, thousands of comics that yeah, I've just I can, uh, never read. I think I can see hundreds of them from here. No, absolutely. At least yeah. hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I would say the majority of them I've just never read, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I, I should read more. Sure. Yeah. And, and I would like to read more books, but uh, let me, baby steps, I'll start reading more comics. Sure, first, yeah. You know? uh, which is funny, though, because... Uh, yeah, I've been reading the omnibus basically just before I go to bed. So like in bed, which is hard to do because it's it's an omnibus. It's fifteen hundred pages and a hardcover, so it's it's heavy and unwieldy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you need a podium or something. Yeah, yeah, uh, like a church podium. And so next to my bed, I've got like you know stacks of of comics and books, and like while I was like one-handed trying to set down the omnibus and, and not being very successful at it. Like, I knocked over a bunch of books, and, like, I've got, like, one book for sure, like, on top that, like, I basically I set my phone down on, like, at night, and, you know, and then, like, I set my glasses on top of the Kirby book. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, like, I knocked over those books, and there was, like, three books that I didn't even know that I fucking owned like sitting underneath that top one that's just basically been my phone rest for the last two years. I, I'm with you. I've got a lot of books that I I totally bought with the intention of reading that I haven't yeah. gotten around to for for a long time. Some of them for years. Yeah. yeah. But like one for sure, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like like the other three, I was like, oh, okay, like I totally remember buying those. Like I just <laughs> forgot that I had them. Uh, I think they were like all Chuck Houston books or something like that. Uh, but then, like, one of them fell over is is a martial law novel. What? <laughs> like, martial law, the... Yeah, by Pat O'Neill. By Pat O'Neill, or Pat Mills. Pat Mills and, and Kevin, Kevin O'Neill. O'Neill. Uh, like, like, there are Kevin O'Neill illustrations throughout it, but it is a prose novel. By Pat Mills? By Pat Mills. What? It, it is the origin of martial law. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember buying it. I've never heard of this thing. <laughs> I'm super curious. <laughs> huh. It's the weirdest thing. I might have to borrow that, maybe. Maybe. I'll totally point. let you lend it. Yeah. I, like, just... That's I was so like, okay, weird. like, I love martial law. Like, yeah. I love those books. Oh, yeah. So, it makes sense that I would have bought this. That's crazy. I I'm... just don't remember when or how... Or where? I, I think I think I've read every martial law comic I've ever seen, but I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh say? So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So anyway. Speaking of comics, I guess I should pick one. 
Sure. One for us to read? Yeah. For the, for the show that we do. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I've, I've got one in mind that I don't actually own. Okay. But I'm 99% sure that you own it. Okay. I feel like I've seen it on your bookshelf. Hmm. And I would like us to read... The Tetris no- uh, graphic novel by Box Brown. Oh, yeah, I do own that. All right. Yeah. Was it Tetris Games People Play? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. By Box Brown. Yeah. <clears throat> and I have not read this yet. So. All right. We can do that. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Cool, cool, cool. So, so typically, whoever picks the book reads it first. Do you right. want to do it that way? Or you uh, just read it? And... No, you, you own it. And you're, you're closer to it, so you read it first. <laughs> okay. And, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Alrighty. Tetris. Tetris. I started to say something about Tetris, but we could just save that for next time. That sounds good. Yeah. Alright. Um, That's just how things fall into place sometimes. Very Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Gutter Trash. You can subscribe to the show from guttertrash.net or from iTunes and leave us a review. Visit guttertrash.net for email information and for other podcasts and websites in the Gutter Trash Network. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.